0: By my wife. Um, if you missed it, you can go to jhopboston.com to the media section. And you can get it. I heard, um, well, there was three remarks to me, and just to paraphrase those remarks, that they were uh, the remarks surrounded all about it was the best message since the church has started, since the EGS service has started. And um, I had the privilege of being out back with the kids, our three children that we have, <laughs> my son and um, Noah's kids. With his wife out back there doing children's church after worship, but I could hear in this room what sounded like just the movement of the Holy Spirit. I just I was I was getting stirred within my heart, and I could only hear bits and pieces. But I want to encourage you to um, to check that out if you get a chance. Well, check out all our message, but that particular one, I think that you know in it um, as we're laying out uh, systematically the Book of Acts, I think that there's. Uh, some real profound, powerful revelation within last week's message. And it's always good, listen, you always want to be impacted by the revelation of God. Check it out, it's good. Okay, so again, go to uh, jhopboston.com and check out the media page. It's uh, Bethany, you'll see it right there. It should be the first message, I believe. So we are on Acts 9, and I'm going to jump right into it. I'm excited about this, this is a no-brainer. It's... um, it's exciting in many ways. I say that it's a no-brainer because uh, just to see the remarkable uh, hand of God move um, in in Saul's life, maybe you don't know, this is the conversion of Saul. Uh, this is God bringing out of, uh, him out of persecuting the church, um, imprisoning believers, and just persecuting believers for their faith. It's the transformation of this character into... Well, a mighty man of God, you know, uh, I don't want to jump too ahead of myself, but most theologians say that Paul is as just, um, in our history, biblical history, and, uh, um, uh, you know, history in America, if you like, want to liken it to that, is one of the most important characters. You think about it, if we didn't have what took place in Paul's life, there would be 13 books of the New Testament not there. Just think about that. They may not have hit you the way I wanted it to, but think about that. It's remarkable. He had probably even more than the 12 disciples. I would say confidently, in my opinion, even more than the 12 disciples, more of an effect on the early day church, molding it and shaping it uh, into what it is. Really, through the marking, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but what God did in Paul's life was really a transitional thing that was taking place where God was moving out of just... Uh, being uh, in, 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 in uh, saving the Jewish culture and nation, he was starting to reach out because of Isaiah 56 and to the, uh, the people who up until that point had no chance. People like you and me, uh, prior to the work of Christ. He was reaching out to the Gentiles, you and me. Uh, so that in itself is remarkable. There was, in Acts chapter 9, we see the process, the beginning stages Of the hand of God coming upon somebody who virtually, in my opinion, if I was alive, at Paul's day would have said, yeah right, Uh, this man was at the opposite end of the spectrum. We all know the story, and you can find many of it in the beginning of Acts 9 about Paul's brutality, his attitude uh, towards the body of Christ. God picks this person out of anybody to... Use, not only save, but use in a dramatic way, in a profound way in the early church. So, in my mind, and in my heart, that gives me faith. You know, we start thinking about the unreachable. You know, we're in a city where we're not necessarily persecuted for our faith, but we do have a high population of people who claim there is no God. God does not exist. And in this matter, reading the accounts here in Acts chapter 9, it gives me faith that God can do the impossible. And it doesn't necessarily take an evangelistic team to go out and preach in the square or people to go out and minister the love of Christ that surely just the spirit of God breaking in on minds and hearts of people. I have absolute faith. Matter of fact, this passage of scripture has molded my prayer life. In the area of asking God to break in upon those who are not saved, those who say there is no God. And if you start to really apply it in that manner, manner, it's so powerful in the area of faith and believing the impossible. So get back to my message. Uh, You know, it's remarkable to me to see the mercy of Christ here in Acts chapter 9 with Paul taking a man who is, again, like I said, on the opposite side of the spectrum. He's like oil. You know, if oil and water, they just don't mix. He would be the oil. Just you, just would look at it in your natural mind as a person. Matter of fact, later on in chapter nine, when Paul goes on to address, we'll get into the story when he starts to just feel the unction come upon him to preach. People are like, "Hey, isn't that him, the guy who persecutes believers and the disciples of Christ? What is it? What are we doing? What is he doing?" And um, you know, it's remarkable just to see the. The uh, transformation and the sanctification But then the release of his ministry You know, oftentimes in the modern day church We like to, you know, somebody comes in Who may not know Christ And you know, you're trying to like Just like introduce and kind of just You know, love on them And kind of hope and pray for salvation And just ask God, you know Use me Lord And then he gets radically transformed And then it's like we sent him on a, 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 a pilgrimage before he could do anything for God, because we said, son, your character needs to be healed, you, you need deliverance, you, know, you just need a myriad of help. But yet Paul, quick transformation met by Christ, no sooner released into ministry and proclaiming, and people were in awe uh, about this man's words and, and the ministry that was coming out. Let's go right into Acts chapter 9, verse 1 again we 're going systematically through the book of acts we 've been on it for quite some time if you 're getting bored i 'm sorry it 's not boring to me the book of Acts is is hugely encouraging to my heart uh, because really this is what our community uh, me and my wife and our community are believing God for you know uh, that there would be a prototype a um, Uh, a a replica of the book of Acts in our city. Why not, you know? Um, You know, that uh, we would experience, even as a community, the outpouring of the Spirit of God, but then just from experiencing the outpouring of God upon our community, going to release and being a witness into the earth. Come on. That's just what we're believing for. So this is hugely encouraging to me. And uh, we're going to just dive right into Acts chapter 9. Verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats. With every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Just giving you a little bit of background about you know, these two verses, just giving us a little bit of background in the hostility that was in Paul's hearts towards the believing people. And his mission to appeal. Now, now we, we understand, and we probably all know this: that he was a rabbi. He was a man who w- was of the faith. Uh, he wanted everything that believing Jews and believing in Christ wanted. He wanted everything, but he just didn't. He was just didn't at this point believe that the Son of God had come, that he had died, and he, so there was a, And he wanted to imprison and to put in slavery and even kill those who believe this lie in his own heart and mind. Verse 3, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, that's awesome, he has a mission, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got this uh, uh, hostility that he wants to go release, and he's on his way to, his, uh, to do this, and a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's remarkable to me that he goes, who are you, Lord? <laughs> Saul asked. But I want to jump back into three, and I want to just point out briefly the place of identification that Jesus had as he, as he revealed his his light unto uh, Saul. And, and the place of identification that he had is he stood in the place as if he was the one being persecuted. And I say this for no other reason other than that, to me, is remarkable uh, you know, in the sense that whatever is happening to the Lord's people uh, that, that, that is um, in, in essence happening to the Lord himself. So he's relating, he's coming, he's sympathetic. Why are you persecuting? Jesus himself, we all know, was not being persecuted. But he's identifying, saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church? And there's many other scriptures that I say, as you do unto them, you do unto me. So that place of identification, I love how the Lord, uh, how Jesus um, uh, begins his statements to Paul. Why do you persecute me? Then later on, and uh, in, in just to uh, bring more strength to this a little bit, he said, um, uh, uh, after in verse 5, he said, Who are you, the Lord? Saul asked. And a voice replied, I am Jesus, again, the one you are persecuting. Again, Jesus, identifying with the persecuted church saying, I am the one you're persecuting, Saul. Why are you doing this? Let's go right on to 6. Now, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Then a man, Saul, stood speechless, for they heard a sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. I'm sorry, the men that was with, he had a couple guys with him, and they had, heard, uh, they had seen nothing, but they had heard the, someone's voice. And they were aiding Paul, because at this time, he couldn't see. He was weak. He just encountered the presence of the Lord. I mean, that itself is so uh, um, uh, it's just awesome. And in many ways, in many ways, not to get too far ahead of myself, I so long to see those days again where suddenly God breaks into culture. He breaks into society. He breaks into the atheist community and says, you know, David, John, you know, I'm the Lord, I'm real, you know, whatever manner. But he just... In an instant, without the aid of the church, without the evangelism program, God just starts to disrelease in Harvard and start to save souls, snatch people up through dreams and visions. You know, again, not to get ahead of myself, but we need to have an expectation for the supernatural. And that's why we're focusing on the book of Acts. Because Honestly, the book of Acts is full of supernatural things. And in Acts chapter 9, this is just one of those things where God supernaturally uh, uh, interferes or or comes in and and, and just saves souls. I'm believing this in the masses. I'm believing for many Pauls in the places of prayer. I have to sometimes think when I read this this verse, who was praying for Paul? You've got to understand, Paul was a man of stature. People knew who he was. Good or bad, church or unsaved, people knew who Paul was. You cannot tell me that there wasn't maybe a group of girls, you know, Lord, save Paul, he's persecuting the church, whatever. You know, why we do it today, we we pray for many people that are unsaved, that they would come to the knowledge and the understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And I sometimes often think, who is praying for Paul at this time? Who is praying for him? That's just another, no, that's another thing I just thought. So we go on, uh, the, the men aid Paul because he cannot see, he's blinded by this encounter. And uh, God just says, hey, go to this place on Straight Street and hide out there and I will send you the next step. Well, in the meanwhile, we'll jump back down, uh, not too far, but in 10, we're going to highlight a man, Ananias, just hanging out in the presence of the Lord. The Lord speaks to him in a vision, calling to him. By his name, he replies, Yes, Lord. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man uh, from Tyrus named Saul. Uh, he is praying to me right now. <laughs> just think about that. Let me just read that again. I'm sorry, the, the right uh, pronunciation of that was at, uh Saul Tarsus. <laughs> the Lord said, Go to Straight Street, Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. We're think, Put this into the perspective of intercession. Paul's praying. Ananias is seeking the Lord. The Lord tells Paul he's going to send him a man named Ananias to give up the next plan. In tandem, the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, Go to Straight Street. And minister to Saul. I think that's remarkable. Again, the power of intercession, the power of the supernatural—that God actually does things without the aid of man. Mm -hmm. He actually can do things without the aid of his people or the the ministry of his people. And so many times, you know, in many of our programs, our church services, our outreaches, we so marginalize the supernatural and just try to just try to base it all around like, let's just give them food. Let's just give them tracks, And I I love that. I'm for it. We do it. We just did it. Uh, So I'm all for it. But there needs to become such a hunger for the outbreak of the supernatural. The the understanding of really the power behind Mm. intercession and prayer. Even so much that in this case we see the Lord speaking to these two guys. Of course, there's a bigger plan here. There's a bigger vision. and, And God is just playing out. His plan over Paul's life. But yet you see, I see, uh, the profound, uh, uh, just genius of, of this playing out. The two men seeking God, and, and God speaking to both, and God giving instruction. Anyways, let's go on. Lord said, go to Straight Street 11. I'm sorry, I'm just going to recap. To the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. But the Lord, but the Lord, but Lord, I'm sorry, this is Ananias responding. Of course, this would be the response of my heart too if I knew who Paul was and knew his reputation. But Lord, uh, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take the message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. So here it is, pretty self-explanatory. God's just laying out to Ananias what he wants to do. And, And Ananias is going to be used... Uh, A, to, as we'll read on er, uh, later in the scripture, A, to heal Paul of his blindness, but also to baptize Paul in the Spirit. 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. That simple. In Paul's uh, uh, commissioning, per se. He gets these, the blinders of whatever that might have been off his eyes, blindness, and he's filled, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit to mm. go and do, do the work of the Lord. Now, I just want to jump back a little bit into some of my notes. And, and, and talk about some of the other reasons um why this account and this encounter with Paul meant so much you know in that time in that period um, the Jewish people even because not all Jews believed in the um, in Christ you know they, they, there was still this overall sense that that The gospel and the good news, or salvation, God, uh, only belongs to them. Now, God made this statement here, and it's pretty profound that in the book of Acts, after Saul was uh, transformed, that it talks about this account three different times in the book of Acts. Mm. And in measure, it's not just like a skim coat. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, recaps this three times. Now that might not be much to you, but the book of Acts is not that big, even though we've been on it for a couple months. But uh, it's not that big, so that's it. It, it, see, it seems as though that would be a uh, a, a you know a, a, a fair amount of time spent on the conversion of Paul. And there's many reasons because we know that there was a uh, a, a shifting taking place in in culture and in heaven, where the good news was now going to be released, or now preached, to uh, uh, the Gentile people. Remarkable, maybe not to us, but in that uh, time, in that point of history, remarkable things were happening. Because in the Roman Empire, the, 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 uh, the faith or the religion that was um, you know, instituted or accepted was Jew, uh, a Jewish religion, and, and, and a Gentile now being saved, he could have been stoned for coming up with a new religion. Like he was just, you know, changing the whole game up. But it, it, remarkable, the Lord also used another account. I forget the queen's name. I believe it's in chapter 10 where, uh, where a queen is converted also and this remarkable thing starts taking place, where God is introducing in Acts chapter nine the salvation of the Gentile people. Him reaching out uh, beyond uh, the, uh, uh, the you know uh, the Jewish culture and, and going and because of Isaiah, if you read Isaiah fifty six is actually the prophecy about this stage. Isaiah fifty six is the prophecy of this transition yeah. of this thing that's going to change where. God will raise somebody up to reach out to the Gentile people. Because up until that point, there was no, there was no hope in, per se. Uh, so that's why we, our people, uh, theologians, pastors, preachers, people who study the word, would say that uh, actually the salvation of Paul, they're not trying to trump Jesus, his uh, uh, um, his coming, his ascension, his death, whatever, you know, all those things. They're not trying to trump it, but they're saying that Paul is as equally important to our history as believers as Jesus, the son of Nazareth. That's remarkable. and And we can also see that because he did. He gave play into really forming and molding the early day church. I mean, he, again, just to not be redundant, but he wrote, uh, 13 of the 37 uh, books in the New Testament. I mean, that's somebody, I guess, that's got some clout that God is raising up. In my eyes, it's remarkable. So this transition is taking place. Uh, and uh, Paul is highlighted. Now, why, is, why do I say that? Because Paul, again, is a man of stature. People are going to know... What is taking place in his life? He's not somebody like you and me who just have maybe the influence of ten or twelve people. He is a man of stature who's looked at, uh, you know, who is, um, you know, who is feared, but also looked up to. He's an educated man. He people know him. Uh, you look at an Ananias; probably had no connection to him, but even Ananias had heard about his um, attitude or his uh, his malicious hostility towards the people of God. So again, God handpicking Paul was by no accident. Of course, I can say that to you, and it may have no point of connection, but again, the geniusness of God handpicking something seemingly on the opposite side, who's of stature, who persecuted, enslaved the church, and even killed the body, uh, uh, is now going to be raised up to be to the Gentiles what Peter was to the Jews and so on and so forth I, I I don't know about you but that is awesome to my mind it is awesome that the Lord in one uh, sense cares so much for us deeply it's not just he's just not a God who's to a specific people but he actually wants to bring us all into his family you know many of us even here in this room can relate to the story of Paul I know I can't. God in the same manner, maybe not in a bright light, although at the time it felt like a bright light, uh, had encountered my heart, had saved me from some pretty dark things. And uh, and I'm sure many of us uh, have the same testimony. So we can relate closely to what God uh, is doing here, and and it's remarkable. So, moving right along. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody connecting with this. Okay, got one person. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, what verse are we in? Okay, twenty. No, we're not. Let me just find. Uh, let's find myself 17. here. Seventeen. Thank you. So we uh, just recap here. Ananias is obedient. He goes to Saul. He lays hands. He the blindness is uh, Paul's healed of. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Afterwards, it says in verse nineteen, Paul ate some food; he regained his strength. And Saul, from that point, stayed with the believers in Damascus for, four day, uh, for a few days. Nineteen. And this is what I'm talking about: is just um, the the quick. Transformation taking place already in verse 20. We see him just hanging out for a few days with some believers in Damascus. And the word says, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. (laughs) Now, at that time, that's a remarkable statement, especially to say in places like he did, in the synagogues that he did. Um, And again, just to reference uh, as we went on later, in the scripture where I talked about, often we like to take our times with uh, raising up young believers, uh, especially those who have maybe come from addictions or maybe have come uh, uh, from you know serious bondage, and we just like there's like a ten-year process we send them on before they're actually being able to be released and used by God. You know, I love what Heidi Baker is. I had the privilege of says I had the privilege of being with her one time way back. Uh, in a meeting, and uh, she's like, you know, I don't get the, the Western church. She's like, you know, you guys save people, and it takes you ten years to commission them. Now, if we do that in Africa, we'll have nobody. I, she's like, we have drug lords, we have murderers, rapists, they're deacons, they're elders. Why? Because it's the quick transference of what the Spirit of God can do. You see, the Western church has Boiled it down to formulas and plans. There is no immediacy of the release of the power of God in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, friends, this is a crisis. This is a crisis in the Western world. Also, I'm quoting Heidi Baker. She said, after doing a circuit in big churches around America, she had preached to a bunch of you know well-named churches, in Texas, and we're talking twenty, fifteen, thirty thousand 30,000 large. And um, there was a pastor at the end of, and I'm, I'm sorry for uh, those who have heard this, uh, but, oh well, there's here that haven't. Um, so she had met with one of the pastors uh, after she was uh, done speaking, and um, they were bringing her to the airport, and they're in a limo, you know, it's just high five, you know. <laughs> You know, and uh, they're driving. It's so the pastor's excited. He's like, honey, great message. Great job. Just, it's just so good. Hey, what do you think of the church? Hey, we're growing. We got, what, we got 30,000 people there. I mean, we, you know, what do you think? What do you think about our church? And she goes, she says this. I mean, she's probably never been invited back. <laughs> um, but she said this. She said, it is remarkable to me what the Western church can do without the Spirit of God. She's like, you got your lights, you got your million dollar sound, you got your PowerPoint. Listen, listen. I like good sound, I like PowerPoint. But you understand the crisis that America, I believe, is facing. And two, as we're in a book that is so supernatural in essence, that's why we're doing it, because we're trying to transition, even if it's a small group of people trying to just trans transition the mind into the things of the Spirit. Not weird things, but powerful things and mighty things. You know, that's what we're trying to transition. And so she says this to the pastor, and I could only imagine his jaw hitting the floor. It's remarkable what the Western church can do without the Spirit of God. She says, if the Spirit of God is not on me when I stand to preach in some place in Mozambique, I might get stoned. I might get drug off by a group of uh, you know, malicious men. That want to cut my head off. She's like, you guys don't know what it's like to solely rely upon the Spirit of God as your source. It's remarkable to me. It's remarkable to me. I, just felt, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. It's remarkable to me that there is this crisis in America. And I'm not talking... There's good places. There's good places. There is, uh, I love what God's doing in Reading. It's it's a it's a oasis to my heart. Their worship, I love what God's doing at IHOP and other places. But uh, again, we see uh, the divorce. I think taking place in churches where they are divorcing the things of the Spirit to appeal to uh, men's uh, practical uh, needs. And well, if you just don't have your PowerPoint up, you know, if you're not serving coffee at the end you know, if you don't, you know, all these things, if you don't have nice lighting, and if your pastor doesn't have nice little little lapel mics that just wraps around and hugs his face so cute that you can't even see it, then it's not really a church. And I want to say no, friends. And I want to encourage us not to bow to that way of thought, that system or that ideology that's run rampant in church. Uh, You know, we have a different vision here at, at, at our EGS service. We... Luckily, and I say this luckily, have the privilege of being first a house of prayer. So everything that we do is out of the overflow of praying. So even when I speak this, and even the passages before, and all the messages that we have preached and spoke, are all prayers that we're releasing day and after. God, God, save souls like you did Paul. You know, Get the president's heart. It, it, you know, change and transform Barack Obama. Why? It's not impossible. He did it for this, this man who we just read in the first couple of chapters that wanted to kill the followers of the Lord and his disciples. A man of stature, a man of, of uh, you know, accomplishment, a man who was looked at rather if you loved him or hated him. And I'm believing that in our city. I'm believing for a mighty exodus in saving of many souls. And you know what? I have kind of just laid down the fact that I don't have to be the one that's used to do it. You know? So many churches, so many people in the body of Christ wants the accolades. Well, look what we did. You know, what we did. Save souls. Now, friend, I'm looking for the supernatural inbreak of God's kingdom upon hearts that say there is no God. I am ranting. Let's go on. I just want to encourage you. I want to... Say that this the book of acts is dramatic it's it's it 's emotional it 's powerful and uh, it's uh, the things that happened were unexpected you know they weren 't expected by people they you know even Paul was said that that there was four uh, um, you know things that surrounded his whole conversion one was it was unexpected up until that point really that wasn 't the way things planned out that wasn 't the way you know, people got saved. This this bright light appeals to or, or approaches Paul, and, and it was unconventional. It happened in an unusual way. You know, it was dramatic. It was so dramatic. I mean, you know, people argue if he fell off the horse. You know, you know, like that never happened. You know, but in essence, it's just to paint the 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 drama of what God did in Paul's heart, and I love it. And it uh, the uh, conversion. Was surrounded by the supernatural intervention. Uh, and that should, in itself alone, give us faith for the impossible. Why not? Okay. Now, we've pretty much covered a lot of bases. Um, I want to be sensitive to time, with which we have a good amount. You know, in my heart today uh, is not just to preach it to you and um, you know, speak. The words I want the demonstration of acts in our community. You know, I want uh, I want people who come in you to experience uh, the power of God. I want you to be healed of diseases. I want your blind eyes to be open per se. You know, I I I, I want a community that has you know synergy in life. The life of what? The life of the Spirit. You know, the Bible is very clear. It says desire spiritual gifts. Most of the time, in the church, we kind of like, oh yeah, well just, let's just keep it over there. And if I if I desire it, it may be, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it might be wrong that I desire something that's so supernatural. But in my heart, I just have leaned into that scripture of desire. I'm like, I desire God raise me up to be a, a supernatural man that that even my shadow might heal people. I mean, why not? Listen, I, I, I lead worship. At a small church here on Sundays. I have nothing to boast in. I have no great plaques behind me, you know, and all my accomplishments as a believer. You know, I, I may on Saturday nights, we may have, what, 30, 40 people talks that we minister to or we we, we pray with. I mean, it's much, it's bigger than that. But still, you understand, I have nothing, there's nothing outside of just wanting to see the Lord get the glory and the honor that's due His name in our city. And, 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 you know, I in no way want young people or old people to feel like they're dirty because they're pursuing things of the Spirit. And I'm not just talking, speaking in tongues, although that's awesome. If you speak in tongues, great. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the manifest power of God. The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. God raised up. The Acts of the Justice House of Prayer. <laughs> Come on, what, why not? Why not? Where is our faith level? You know, and that's our heart behind wanting to spend some good time in uh, the book of Acts, is that we would stir your faith yeah. to see the impossible. You know, we just went down to Harvard Square. Week, yeah. There was some pres there, there was some presence. I'm not gonna lie, there was some good, it was a spirit of peace, came. Okay? You know, but I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, God, I just want to see somebody healed. Just Lord, if Noah connects with somebody, if, if Crystal connects with somebody, heal somebody. I'm thinking that in my mind. I'm like, open a blind eye, get get a get a broken arm, just you know, ah, you know, whatever. Just <laughs> something. I mean, why not? Come on. Come on. These things. Were to met, they were meant to to kind of uh, strengthen the preaching of the word. Amen. So it wasn't like we would boast, but it would just be like, I preach this powerful word, and then signs and wonders follow. Why not? Amen. Why not, guys? I want to encourage you. Desire spiritual gifts. Go after them. You listen. Even if you think it's prideful, even if you think you're haughty. And it may be derived from a wrong heart. Just do it anyways. Because Jesus will work out those details. He really will. He's not going to let you get too far ahead of yourself. He's going to make sure that he's right alongside. And yeah, you may get a couple prunings along the way. But you know what? John 15. It's a good thing, right? The pruning of the Lord. It's a good thing. And so I want to encourage you. Desire spiritual gifts. Pray for them in your closets, in in your prayer. You got people, you got friends who you know who just have a, a, a real uh, attitude towards the things of, of God and, and, and feel like Jesus is a fluke and you're a fluke for following them. Pray for them. Get in your prayer closet. Come out to Saturday night. Pray for them. Pray for the salvation. Call them out by name. On. Be a bold witness. Come on. I'm going to tell you what. You know, uh, believe if he's got something or she's got something, uh, some kind of infirmity, some kind of disease, just just say down at dinner or one time when you were there, I want to pray for you right now. Just by faith. You know, we say, well, I don't want to do that. What if nothing happens? Who cares? You know, who cares? I tell you, though, if you just hold to it and start to implement it in your diet, man, you'll see it one day. Something will happen. Come on. And your friend so-and-so that was a, uh, a spectator or kind of had a jaded attitude towards God and the people of God, you'll see they'll be transformed. Listen, I've never seen a person walk away from the power of God. I've never seen somebody hold their attitude after seeing the manifest. Even in a worship setting, we have... Saturday night, I thought God was going to suck us out of this place. There was times I was But I thought God was going to go, <gasps> you know, I was just going kind to of, go with Enoch and walk with God no more. I was like, it, was, it was powerful. But And I see people crying. And I know, we got like 40, 30 kids that are here. I know that some of these kids have the most staunch attitudes towards me. Mm. He's whack. Oh, this justice thing. They pray for the ending of abortion. Oh my God. They pray for the inbreak of the kingdom of God upon the homosexual community. That's right! Come on. That's right, we do. So I know that they have a real <laughs> hardness towards me, hardness towards our community. But you know, I see the power of God melt their hearts in the right. presence of worship, and they start weeping. Ah! And then they, you get their heart, you get their heart in there. And then they're interceding for the same things that maybe one time they stand in, 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 in just opposition towards you. You guys are foolish. What are you doing? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, why do we limit God? Why? When we read Acts chapter 9, I can't help but just be challenged in my heart in the areas that I may limit God in His power I, listen, the book of Acts is God using weak people to do dramatic things Come on. we're right in step, how many feel weak here today? Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm not even Come on. talking physical, I'm talking in your walk with the Lord, how many feel weak? Yeah. Sign me up I'm spreading myself thin in every level, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just holding on to the rope sorry, I know, I'm leading this thing <laughs> with my wife but you know that's just, that's just the case. We are weak people. And God wants to use weak Come people on. to manifest His strength Amen. in this city. Amen. Believe it or not, Amen. He could use this 20, 15 people, whatever, maybe it's 12, I don't know, I don't care. He could use this 12 to dramatically change this entire city in a moment's <laughs> of notice. If we would lean in to the things of the Spirit of God. Why not? Why not? Why do we think? Why are we so earthly bound? when heaven is our home. We could go so many bunny trails with this right now. We could go so many bunny trails, but why are we so earthly bound, seeing only today, seeing only what's in our checkbook, seeing only what's in our relationships, our marriages, uh, our our families. We see only that, and we just stay with weights on our feet. When in reality, heaven is our home. We we're passersbyers. We might, we, might, we might as well just go for broke. Come on. Come on. Noah says, you may get 80 years. That's not a long time. I'm 33. I ain't got that much longer. In the greater schemes of things, when I start thinking about the course of my life and its direction, I ain't got that much longer. Why not go for broke? I love the slogan of Keith Green's little community. It was revival or bust. There is no second option. They put a banner on their bus when they took their <laughs> carnival of hippies throughout and and the nation. of worship. That is remarkable. Revival or bus, there is no second option. Let's go for broke on this thing. Who cares if you fall and you fail a little time? Who cares if you pray for something and nothing happens? Do it again. Be the persistent woman. <laughs> Be that widow. Be that person who continually presents himself before God, his friends, and just go for broke. I love that kind of faith. I love that kind of tenacity. And our culture and in our church, we ridicule that. But I'd rather be labeled a radicalist Christian who went hard after God than a mediocre person who just went after the American dream. I don't care if I'm broke. Come on. I'm going after this thing. Guys, I want to raise up a generation that will go after it too. I'm seeing it. I know there's young men and women who are serving full time in this ministry. They ain't getting paid. They barely have enough to eat. But they are going hard after something. Why? Because God has gripped their hearts with something much bigger than what our nearsighted vision sees out there in the world. God has gripped them a vision to change society, to change culture through prayer. And it can happen, and it does happen, and it will happen again. The outpouring of the Spirit of God, the most profound thing happened in a prayer meeting with people going into an upper room, and I'm going to say it's going to end with another prayer meeting. Something that seems so insignificant to your friends, you're going to find yourself doing. Why are you going on Saturday night? You're going to pray? Well, I think it's pretty cool. I, I, I estimate a couple hundred people come through here on Saturday nights. Young people, not all at once, I'm saying in a month's time, but they actually give up their time and they come and they labor in the place of prayer with us that there's something happening. Here in this city, just in the five years that we have been here, and I'm sorry if this feels like a bunny trail, but I just, I'm just not going on a bunny trail. Uh, just in the five years that we've been here, I have seen uh, people... Mainly in college campuses, they may not uh, use us to help them, and that's fine because we get labeled. I don't know why. I think we're the most legit people in Cambridge, but uh, but uh, we get labeled. So they we inspire them in a sense, but they kind of keep us at bay, which is good. I'm fine with that. But there is prayer breaking out upon college campuses. Now I'm saying breaking out. It's only two or three people that are gathering consistently to seek the Lord for the transformation of their ca- their campus. That, my friend, is remarkable. Five years ago, when we first came here, you would have never heard about prayer in this city. I mean, yeah. But just from a select, maybe, couple of women that were upholding it in the church back, janitor's room. It's prayer works. The supernatural, the things of the Spirit, they really work. And they're more powerful than our pathetic little programs, our pathetic little outreaches. The things that we think trump, the things of the Spirit, my friend, the Spirit is where it's at. And I want to see us as a community not get locked in to uh, the Western mindset where we kind of just put on the shelf the things of the Spirit of God and we kind of just go along with our... You know, two little praise songs and three little worship songs and everybody feels tingly. Uh, And Although I love that. But that's not what I'm after. I'm after for an inbreak, the kingdom of God. That a prayer meeting would release the supernatural into our city. I believe this is what God wants to do. I believe this, like many other reasons, is why Saul was encountered by the Spirit of God. I believe, this is my opinion, you can't find it in the Word of God, but I believe that there were people praying for His salvation. I believe that there were people uh, praying for Him, either the removal of salvation, either the death. Why? Because that's exactly what we do now. It only makes sense. Um, So, anyways, listen, let's stand to our feet. I in no way want to boil our meetings here down to just preaching the Word of God there's a reason this thing is called the encountering God service. And that's not to encounter a man. It's not to encounter a message, although we do that. But it's to encounter the Spirit of God. Father, we thank You for this time together, Lord. I thank You for my friends, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that... Uh, Lord, we just ask for a sensitivity, a new awareness to the Spirit of God in our hearts. Lord, I ask, Lord, everywhere where we seem to be so earthly bound, God, that You would lift us, Lord, that You would lift our gaze upon the things of the Spirit, Lord. Amen. Oh, God, I just ask for a complete, utter reliance upon the Spirit of God, Lord. Let, help our community, God, those who are even gone, Lord. Help Amen. our friends, Lord, just, Amen. Lord, that wherever they are at, God, we ask, Lord, that Your Spirit would come upon them. Amen. Lord, that they would have such glorious... Profound encounters with you in communion and fellowship, Lord, that you would use our community, that you would use my friends, Lord, to heal the sick, Lord, to raise the dead, Lord, to prophesy, to speak the word. God, I ask Jesus, Lord, just as you instructed your disciples to pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done, Lord, and that it would be manifested through the praying, believing church in Jesus' mighty name. I want to open a time. We don't have to have anybody. But I just don't want to leave before we do. I want to offer if there is any needs, we don't have to know those needs, but if there is anything that anybody here needs prayer for, I just want to have a little altar call here. And if you need prayer, you can you can share that or just if you want us to agree with you. We don't have to know the circumstance. Or the situation. But if you need prayer, I don't want you to leave without receiving uh, prayer. Okay, we'll just give it a little time. I know it's awkward. we we'll remove some chairs. But if that's you. If you need prayer over any situation, anything that's heavy on your heart, anything that you're experiencing uh, in the area of decision making, in the area of family and relationships, it's all open. It's all open. So if you have anything, we want to make sure that we honor you and we honor God. Just give it a little time. We want to just wait right here. We'll just see if anybody else responds. Just give it a little time. We'll no pressure. But please don't leave. If you need prayer for any issue, see? God sees. And I know that. Come on up.